Here we are. The first ever YouTube edition. Hello out there, Peacock and Williamson. We're talking. Oh, we're going to get into the chat. We'll have a little post-draft Q&A. We've got DeAndre Hopkins suspension. And we've got Tyron Matthew signing, and we might have some more signings coming uh, in the in the in the next few days, next few weeks here post draft if teams regroup after the NFL draft. And I see all the people jumping into the chat. I love that. Let's get into this thing right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you at the Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks for making us your first listen here on this Tuesday and our first ever live stream on the new YouTube channel. The first thing you got to do is make sure you hit the subscribe button on the Locked On NFL channel, the new home on YouTube of Peacock and Williamson. If you are listening in your car on your way to work, your way home from work, whatever your normal routine is listening to Peacock and Williamson. You don't do the YouTube thing. That is fine as well, but you could jump on over and, uh, and say hi to us there if you ever wanted to and get involved in some of our live episodes and into the live chat. And I already see a bunch of folks jumping in on the live chat, and I appreciate you guys. What do you think, Matt? They, they get to look Crazy. at our uh, beautiful faces while we do this podcast now. Yeah, I hope we don't lose too many you know longtime listeners after seeing our, our mugs here, especially mine. <laughs> I, the Locked On NFL channel has a certain amount of subscribers already, and I'm hoping that number doesn't start to dwindle now. Right. Like, oh, no. <laughs> put, a, put a face with the sound and like, oh, no, we gotta get out of here. Um, no, I'm excited. I mean, just to expand in any way is great. Uh, to pull back the curtain a little bit, you know, you and I record, and then you add all the all the good stuff to it, the bells and whistles and the ads and all that. So we're just going to – I'm going to kind of just listen along and – you know, I heard that the entry music that kind of got me psyched up. I don't usually have that. <laughs> I I have a habit of during our podcast, I kind of walk around and kind of do my thing. And I'm hoping that I can kind of stay focused and remember I'm on camera because I've done 8 million podcasts in my life and rarely have they been filmed. Is this the, uh, the, por- the portion of the podcast where you start doing laundry? Tom wants to know. <laughs> That's usually my Friday radio hit at one twenty. It seems like that's when laundry comes out and I start folding things up. And okay, yeah, hopefully uh, the animals here kind of uh, help out a little bit too and do their part. And all right, Larry's not too loud and people don't walk by. But such is life. I mean, that's pull back curtain. Yeah, uh, Larry Bird might make an appearance on the podcast, especially when we start talking about the Cardinals and the Seahawks and the Falcons and some right, of those teams. Right. He's, he'll get fired up about that. He's not a Ravens guy, though. That wouldn't fly too well. And oh, yeah. Um, Ravens right. is really the one that, that yeah, he'll get upset about being a Pittsburgh, <laughs> there, a Pittsburgh bird. So, um, Matt, let's talk about the big news of the last 24 hours or so, yeah. which was the suspension of DeAndre Hopkins. There was, uh, it looks like, six games for PEDs. DeAndre Hopkins of the Arizona Cardinals will miss. And he did have a little post on Twitter about it and explaining his side of things. He said, see you in week seven. In my 10-year NFL career, I've never tested positive for using PEDs. To learn that my November test came back with the trace elements of a banned substance, I was confused and shocked. I'm very mindful of what I put in my body and have always taken a holistic approach. So I am working with my team to investigate how this could have happened. But even as careful as I've been, clearly I wasn't careful enough for that. I apologize to Cardinals fans, my teammates, 
the entire Cardinals organization. I never want to let my team down. I fully intend to get to the bottom of this. As soon as I have more information, I will share it, DeAndre Hopkins. So I like how he took ownership of it. And that was the type of statement that I could believe. A lot of statements you see around the league when things happen, you don't believe most of it. I kind of believed that from DeAndre Hopkins. He was straight up. I was thinking the same thing. Like, I hope he's right. It sounds like I can buy that. He's got a, as he, he started started it off. He's got a great history of you know no issues whatsoever. Model citizen, great teammate, phenomenal player, potential Hall of Famer, all those wonderful things. But the facts are the facts. He's not going to be there until week seven, and clearly this is a blow to the Cardinals. And I ninety five percent certain knew this was coming before the draft, before the Marquise Brown trade. My hunch is they still would have made the trade. I mean, that sounds like a very Kyler Murray friendly move. Let's mend those fences. Let's be buddies. But it also helps out, too, that they they know that this was coming down the pike or something was coming. But it's a big deal. I mean, in in that division, that, you know, there's not a lot of room for error. And he's certainly different than the other Smurfs, you know, Brown and Moore and, you know, maybe A.J. Green's role has to grow at the beginning or Ertz or McBride they also drafted. So they have some options, you know. They've got a ton of options. Yeah, yeah, I don't think six weeks would have made a big enough difference to make the move they made for Hollywood Brown. I think that probably would have already happened, although yeah. maybe it, it gave them a little bit more urgency to pull the trigger on it or, or give up a little bit more than maybe they would have potentially. But that, that's an interesting group of wide receivers, a ton of pass catchers there. You 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 see the goal there. They're, they want to throw a bunch of pass catchers on the field at the same time with Kyler Murray. Um, and I think this... I wonder if Rondale Moore, because I think there was some buzz about him, especially in the fantasy world, about what he could look like in that offense and if if he would get a a tick up in usage and snaps and maybe he still will to start the season or maybe he'll just kind of disappear as a as a gadgety guy once week seven rolls around. But that's an interesting one. And I don't really know where I would put all of my eggs as far as fantasy goes, because I don't think Hollywood Brown necessarily, even if you like him better with Kyler Murray than you did with with Lamar Jackson, I just don't know if the the targets will be there. So you kind of just have to wait for DeAndre Hopkins to really find the one player that you could hang your hat on in that offense, fantasy-wise, I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we touched on it actually on Locked on Dynasty uh, last night as well and kind of came to the conclusion that I don't think this really hurts Kyler's fantasy stock all that much. Maybe Green... Ertz, catch catch a touchdown or two, you know, red zone usage might bump up for those guys. And, you know, I keep bringing up AJ Green and I don't think he's impressive to be honest with you this stage of his career, but some of those older guys can give you, you know, four, five, six games before their body starts to really wear down a little bit. So if he can come out fresh, maybe he can, you know, weather some of that storm a little bit. I do want to get the folks out there in the chat. Uh, any questions you have, team-specific, post-draft, uh, whatever's going on in the NFL, uh, anything else for us on this inaugural YouTube live edition of Peacock and Williamson. The other bit of news in the league, and, and I think we'll start to see some more post-draft signings because the uh, free agent deals no longer count toward the compensatory formula. And as soon as the draft ended, we saw the New Orleans Saints go out and after not Drafting a safety, signing Tyron Matthew. He's going home back to Louisiana. Tyron Matthew officially reached an agreement on a three-year, $33 million contract, including $18 million of that fully guaranteed. 
and according to Adam Schefter, language still needs to be finalized, but it looks like that deal is now final today. And Matthew is going to be a New Orleans Saint. What do you think about this deal for Matthew? 18 mil guaranteed of 33 tells me there's guarantees in year one, clearly, and into year two. And it might be a two-year contract at that point. But um, at this point in Tyron Matthew's career, you know, 11 mil per for a year or two, that's not bad. He can be a difference maker for that defense. And clearly, New Orleans believes they are in this thing right now, attacked needs in the draft, and now attacked their last need in free agency. Yeah, uh, again, I mean, LSU guy, um, perfect fit. They, they've reshaped their safety situation. They also have Marcus May now. Williams is in Baltimore. Um, but they're the ultimate aggressive you know, franchise. I, I always say it's Mardi Gras every day for the Saints, and they don't care about the hangover. You know, I mean, it, it push things down the road. Who cares? Let's win it now. And I'm not sure I 100% disagree with them either. You know, like, I'm a Winston fan. Um, I kind of proud of myself when they made the pre-draft trade for the Eagles that it really was for a receiver and a tackle. They passed on all the quarterbacks. You know, they're in it now, and they're in it to win it. And then they trade up again for Olave, which I thought was a little, you know, over the top. But, hey, they don't care. Um, they just won a couple stars every draft, basically. And they always play the Bucks tough. I mean, I think all of us will project them to be second in the South. But I certainly think, you know, off the top of my head that they're a top seven NFC team without question. Speaking of those Saints, Chris Olave and looking at the bet online odds for NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2022. Chris Olave leads the way plus 700 to be Offensive Rookie of the Year there. Yeah. And by the way, you can find all of those odds and lines at betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Two is Kenny Pickett at plus 750. A little bit more on him later. Uh, We have some questions in in the Twitter verse on our, this is actually a Twitter Tuesday podcast, I guess, technically, but I'm going to jump into the chat for some questions as well. So all the fans involved for our first live broadcast as much as possible. Absolutely. So plus 750 for Kenny Pickett and Drake London, then Brees Hall, then Traylon Burks, then Garrett Wilson, then James Cook is the next highest odds to be offensive rookie of the year. You can find those odds and more. Uh, NFL futures, who will win the Super Bowl next year, NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, everything, sports developments, league news and reviews at Bet Online, your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. All you got to do is head over to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks again, everybody, for jumping in here live and making Peacock and Williamson your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network. Tons of other great shows here on the Locked On NFL channel, as well as each team covered around the NFL and every other sport you can imagine. Your team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's go to Grant. In Before we do, BP, one quick little nugget here. I stole this from Evan Silva, but you mentioned the rookie of the year odds. Mm-hmm. I don't really love any of those at the top of the list. You know, there's not a slam dunk at all this year. And a name that Evan threw out there, and it's either 30 to 1 or 40 to 1, is the new Houston Texans running back, Damian Pierce. I mean, I don't know if he'll get Ooh. a lot of carries late in games and garbage time, but not much in front of him. A sneaky guy. He's going to be in a lot of my fantasy teams. I like that just because of the long odds. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at some of these, and the odds aren't quite long enough 
I would lean toward Kenny Pickett. I think I like that one just because he's a quarterback and was mm-hmm. the only first-round quarterback and could definitely win that job against Mitch Trubisky. He's the most ready to go. That was the the whole thing with Kenny Pickett as a prospect. He might be ready to play now, so like what we saw last year with uh, Mac Jones. Maybe someone like Kenneth Walker at uh, eleven to one odds, mm-hmm. just because you know goes to a team that he's a good. He's in, you know one of the top two, maybe even the best pure running back, even more so than Brees Hall. Brees Hall, a little bit more versatile. So Kenneth Walker could be that player as well. But the ones at the top, I don't love just because right. you don't know how they're all going to fit in. I mean, Traylon Burks, I want him to have longer odds. He's eight to one. I would have liked him to be, you know, 15 to one odds because he was the fifth receiver taken. But who is Tannehill going to be throwing the ball to over there? So that's an interesting one as well. Yeah, I'm a little shocked Brees Hall isn't number one, to be honest with you, but such is life. I mean, again, it, and it's only it's only eight to one where Olave is seven to one. So he's pretty yeah, close, yeah. but there's still Back a couple guys ahead of him. And yeah, you know, like in the I, dynasty it, world, he's the first guy off the board in rookie drafts, which makes sense. Let's talk a little bit about the Cleveland Browns. Grant all wants right. to know if uh, if the Browns think Watson is suspended all year, any chance they try to get Baker to play out the season? I don't think so. I mean, Brissett was signed for this reason. I mean, Baker's better than Brissett. I absolutely understand that. I just can't imagine a scenario where Brissett, Watson, and Baker are all chilling out in the quarterback room every day, and Baker says, oh, this is my team. I mean, I think that bridge is on fire. I mean, I don't think that bridge is repairable. Right. That That's a cloud over the organization. And unlike the, the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, Garoppolo – is well-loved in the organization. He could come back. He could compete in training camp. Yeah. Um, you could also cut him and gain that $25 million in cap space. With Baker Mayfield, his money's guaranteed, so you're not saving any cap space. So that puts you in a tough spot if you're the Browns. But you also probably don't want to bring him into the locker room ever. You know, you don't want him to show up. No, yeah. I don't think he ever puts a uniform on again. Right. No yeah. OTAs, nothing. So um, to me, if, if worse comes to worse for everybody, I wonder if just – because they can't get rid of the contracts anyway, what if you just get a different face and you just swap those contracts that are nearly identical on those 50-year options for uh, for Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield? Would that be a win-win for both teams in Carolina and Cleveland? Maybe. Yeah, it's an interesting way of putting it because they have basically the same contract or the same age. I mean, I think Baker's the better player, but there's extenuating circumstances. I mean, I mentioned this. I mean, and again, I have no sources and it didn't come from the top. But there was a lot of buzz around that Steeler facility this weekend about Watson's suspension being lengthy and maybe a full year. I mean, the, the owners are not happy with the Browns. I don't even know who's the third street quarterback because you do need another quarterback if your starter right, right. suspended for a while. And I don't even know who the third guy is there in Cleveland. That's a good question. I, I don't know that either. I mean, are there other stopgap names we're not thinking of? Could, could they go after Jimmy? If they can deal Baker, <laughs> that would be I mean, if it's convoluted. Full, if it's a full year situation, if you know that soon, if they could, but they would have to dump all of Baker's salary, and it sounds like teams don't want to do that. No, I, I don't think anybody it's wants just to. So do. Hard. That's a sticking uh, point, right? I'm just taking a peek real quick at the depth chart to see what other quarterbacks are on the roster. Case Keenum's gone. You know, Joshua Dobbs would be the next man. Ah, uh, right. I'm very familiar with Joshua Dobbs. He is a and a, an undrafted free agent that goes by the name of. Felix Harper, who I've never okay. heard of in my life. Well, maybe he's the next Kurt Warner and come out of nowhere. <laughs> maybe he's a 5'11, 180 out of Alcorn State. Felix Harper. Okay. Okay. Um, I, it could be a bad year for the Browns. 
it feels it just feels weird. And yeah. I think once Baker's gone, and then you get clarity on the Deshaun Watson situation, if it's say, let's say it's six games, it's like, okay, now we know what we're now dealing we with. I think it'd be a better situation. But as of now, it, it's definitely Baker Mayfield's a cloud right now over that organization. Mm-hmm. And not knowing the Watson situation is too, and it's just there's some some bad juju in my opinion. Jay wants to know about the Saints and talk about their financial and cap situation. He says, do you think there's a financial angle to the Saints getting the two premium positions with their crazy cap situation? I, I can't even comment on the crazy cap situation for the Saints because it seems to never matter. And they went from right. seven million over to having the most cap space in the league at some point this offseason. So I, I don't think it matters. But I think, you know, most teams look at that and think we want to get the expensive positions in the first round if we can. And I think that trade worked out and the way the board fell. And I, I don't know if I'd love the value you going 16 to 11 for Alave because other players were available, mm-hmm. but clearly they wanted the guy who was most ready to play. They felt most comfortable with Alave. He's very different from Michael Thomas. If, if he is indeed back finally for the saints and then ha- having pending fall to them at, at 19, you know, the, the board just felt great for the saints and it, and it all worked out really nicely and they got two premium positions in the first round. So I'm sure they were jumping for joy in the, in the saints draft. And, and just speaking finances and economics, I would say that more applies to the left tackle than it does the receiver. You know, I mean, they had an expensive left tackle. They value that position. They couldn't pay the old guy, and so they draft the young guy. And, you know, that's that's a massive cap relief there, just the swapping of that position. Um, they haven't invested in receivers all that much. I mean, so uh, I, I don't know that I would push it as much at the receiver position. But, yeah, I mean, receivers and tackles are expensive. You don't want to be shopping on the open market for those things. And another note, too, I wouldn't have traded up for Alave. I thought they overvalued him a little. But they have a massive Ohio State pipeline there, too. They had a massive need. He is, as you mentioned, very different than Michael Thomas. So I absolutely like the fit, you know, especially the Dome in the South. I mean, so I like the fit. I don't know that I would have traded up, though. Let's talk a little bit really quick about Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, We have got a question in the chat from Corey. He says, who gets more snaps this year, Jimmy G or Kenny Pickett? Uh, I think I would have to say... Wow. I really think Pickett and Trubisky is a 50-50 endeavor. Okay. I, so I don't know where your guy. Jimmy, what do you think he plays? I don't know where Jimmy G's place is. Right. I don't, he's not going to be a $25 million backup for the 49ers. Let's say they I even, don't think he's going to be a Seahawk. Let's say he gets released. Well, here's the problem. That I think that's one of the reasons the 49ers don't want to release Jimmy Garoppolo is if they release him in July before camp, the Seahawks go, okay, we'll thank you. Him. And then now Jimmy's playing against you and mm-hmm. – uh, some 49ers fans might say oh, that's a good thing for the 49ers. I don't think uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch would think that way about letting the Seahawks have Jimmy Garoppolo. I'd rather play against Drew Locke. I absolutely would, <laughs> you know. And so I think the 49ers do want to have a little control over where he goes. Um, and and Jimmy probably would rather a team trade for his contract than have to sign a free agent contract at that point in the summer because he might not be you know that good of a deal. But a one-year deal hits free agency again next year, potentially. I don't know. Maybe that point he signs with the Browns. So I would probably lean towards Jimmy just because I don't know how ready a rookie quarterback is going to be, but there was a question on Twitter that ties into Kenny Pickett that I want to ask you about, Matt. Now, post-draft, you've had a chance to look at things. Would, this is a local hero on Twitter, says, would Kenny Pickett have lasted until the Steelers' second-round pick? And I will add my secondary question onto that. Even if Kenny Pickett wasn't there, do you think knowing what you know about where the quarterbacks fell, and I know you were a fan of Malik Willis coming into sure. this thing, would you have attacked, attacked the board differently knowing how those quarterbacks fell? 
Probably. And this is what I can't wrap my head around is, and I've been asked this 8 million times, did the Steelers, uh, were they too hasty to use that pick on Pickett? On Pickett? And again, all these picks screw me up, especially when George Pickens got picked. Pickens. Uh, <laughs> my hunch is, and I'm going to look at this through an optimistic view because I'm a pit guy, I'm a Steelers guy, that I think most teams probably had Pickett as their number one and with a gap after that. And do I know that? I absolutely don't know that. They Maybe they all were lumped together and the Steelers jumped the gun because they had their favorite guy. One thing I will say is considering the 19 players that fell before the Steelers picked, I didn't think there was an obvious non-quarterback on the board for them. I mean, I liked Dax Hill. I thought about Burks. But there wasn't a, boy, this is a tough decision because Jordan Davis is there or somebody, or, you know, Jamison Williams, somebody like that. So maybe, he, you know, he was just their 20th best player and not their eighth best player. I don't know that. But here's one thing I, I'm kind of, drifting away from the question, but I've been thinking about these quarterbacks dropping more and more. And it sort of correlates with Baker and Jimmy that this year, no matter what you think of the class, the QB needy teams, and again, it still applies to Carolina and Seattle, have the luxury of being very patient because five teams took them in the first round last year. So many teams traded for them. Kansas City, Buffalo aren't in the mix. Like, you know who you're fighting against for these these quarterbacks more than ever. And none of them are Trevor Lawrence, obviously, or even Justin Fields or Lance or those guys. So I, I think what happened in the draft wasn't musical chairs as much as it was a game of chicken that I'm not going to be the first one to take the second quarterback off the board because I have four of them all lumped together and I only think there's three landing spots. Give me the D end. Give me the tackle. And if I don't get one, I'll sleep fine at night. But I'm happy with Corral or Ritter or Willis, and I don't have a big difference in grade. So I'm just going to wait. And here's why I think that was the case more than this quarterback class stinks. If you remember, on the first night of the draft, round one, Malik Willis was invited to the draft. The NFL told us that they expected him to be a round one player. You know, like all this media stuff, I don't think was BS. I mean, they don't invite a young man to the first round of the draft for him to sit there for three rounds. I mean, they were told that he was coveted. Yeah, that's really interesting. So many teams plug that hole that just the needs weren't there for quarterback. And right, right. Unless the team like you don't see coming like the Packers a couple of years ago, drafting Jordan Love, sneak in and, and draft the player. I mean, that maybe would have opened the floodgates. If some yeah. team they didn't expect it just said, I have to have this guy, he should have been a round one player. But if you're Atlanta, Seattle, I'll pass, I'll pass. And once Ritter goes off the board, time to get interesting or whatever. I mean, I, I just think it was chicken. I'm going to wait. I'm going to walk the train tracks. And the last one to jump out of the way, the train loses, you know, or wins, you know. <laughs> All right. Um, I, we'll finish up this episode with some more of the chat questions, some Twitter questions as well. So uh, get those in on the chat. See everybody in the chat. I uh, love seeing the folks joining us live on our first ever live YouTube edition of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. But I want to tell the folks first about Rock Auto. Uh, the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's pretty much impossible for your local chain store to stock all the auto parts 
you need. It's definitely impossible when you go to rockauto.com and you see all of the the parts that they have in stock for literally every vehicle is pretty unbelievable and uh, you know sometimes the questions that you're asked at the counter you're not even sure and you see the the guy behind the counter is looking at a green screen there of their inventory and marked up 30 50 100 percent you don't even know what it is they're looking at and what exactly are you even paying for so you can go to rockauto.com and find out see what these things actually are costing and shop for the the item that makes sense for you for example a honda odyssey fuel pump costs 353 dollars at a chain store or a car dealership that same part same exact part at rockauto.com 216 dollars rockauto.com is a family business they've been helping do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years and rock auto prices are always reliably low for every customer professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike So get over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And man, it is unbelievable how many parts they have, no matter what it is you need, even if it's just the smallest thing, Uh, tail lamps and and brake parts and motor oil and jumper cables, things that everybody needs for their vehicle, new carpet for the interior of your car. And make sure you write locked on in the how did you hear us box at rockauto.com so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. How about the Tennessee Titans, Matt? Are the Titans in an awkward spot? Number one seed, but lost A.J. Brown. Lots of money in Tannehill and Henry with tread on the tires. Are they rebuilding? Are they running it back? The best in the AFC South still? I don't think they're... Here's my take is, yes, they were the number one seed last year. But I don't think any of us looked at them and said, wow, they're clearly the best team in the AFC. Or really even... They're that much better than the Colts, who narrowly missed the playoffs as well. Good team, no doubt. Well-organized, good coach. But I think that deep down, when you pay Tannehill and Derrick Henry the way you did for – because one's a running back and one's a above-average quarterback on a good day or, you know, average to above-average to good quarterback. It's not a good financial move, and eventually you have to pay the fiddler and unfortunately, I think this is the offseason they do that. So I think there's some teams out there. I mean, the Steelers come to mind. The Patriots come to mind that their version of rebuild isn't going two and 15. You know, it's taking one step back to get your your books right. You know, do a little house cleaning, a little spring cleaning, tidy up a little bit so that, you know, you can take two steps forward maybe even with Willis down the road. So I still think they're a competitive team, especially if Henry has another phenomenal year and they can ride him like crazy. But I think they had to, you know, they kind of missed their shot a little last year. And I'm not sure that's going to, that might've been their peak. And I think they have, they realize that we're not just one player away. We're not going to push all our chips in like the saints. We're going to take a small step back, regroup and go from there. I might pick the Colts over them in a power rank right now. I think with what the Colts did, I would mm-hmm. pick the Colts as well. Uh, it's going to be tough. And look, the Titans are a well-coached team, and they yeah. still do have Derrick Henry there. How much can you ride that? I I just wonder, you know, first of all, if Burks is, becomes a star early, then that really helps because I don't, I, I don't know where the – 
yeah, it, it, it's possible. It's happened before. We saw yeah, it with Minnesota yeah. in, the, in the Diggs trade, and then they got Justin Jefferson right in there, and it was like, okay, great, great job. Um, and I'm sure the Eagles would be fine with that, even if that does happen, and Traylon Burks becomes a star. And he's so it's almost like Burks is too similar of the comp for A.J. Brown because everybody was comping him to Brown before the draft anyway. It's almost like it can't be that easy, right, that you just plug this other comped player in, and, and he's as good as A.J. Brown because A.J. Brown is so good. Um, and it, most likely, at least – if Burks is good, it's going to take a little while. You take a step back, but then if you move on to Malik Willis eventually soon, then you could have afforded to pay Brown and you make Willis's job easy. So it's like a weird mm-hmm. soft rebuild. They didn't get better. How much how better is Henry going to last? Is it? Know? Yeah. And, and like, so now you're, you know, maybe hopefully you do, you are able to lean on that ground game. If you do go to Willis say next year, and but then you know it's all Henry. How long does he last? So then and and again, you're probably not going to expect to be winning. So sort of a soft rebuild. You don't make yourself better now. How much better did you make yourself in the future? Was that worth it? So that's the question I have. But yeah, I I I, I don't think I would pencil them in second in the AFC South, and they should still be right. okay. But I do have some questions. And Stewart's right; they they are in an awkward spot. I probably don't view them as a top seven AFC team either. You know, like I think they're at that Steeler Patriot level. And if you're in the South, you better win that division. Right, right. They're probably only one team going. Yeah. Like I'm putting Denver ahead of them, aren't you? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You're right. I mean, let alone the Chargers and Chiefs and Bills and, you know, right. And and having a, a pretty weak division and everybody got stronger in that division, too. I mean, and Jacksonville maybe, might not be a pushover. Houston and, might win one, you don't think, you know. Right. And so that was part of them having that path to the playoffs was the division they played. If everyone got better except for you in that division, it just gets a little tighter. Yeah. I, I had looked at it through that, you know, that lens, but I would say the, the version we saw to end the season of the Titans is better than this version. And that's the only one that I would say that's true in the South. Let's talk Detroit lions. They had a really nice draft. This is a team that, was barren a couple of years ago. They've got their coach. They're fighting hard and biting kneecaps and all those things. And now they had an opportunity to to draft um, some some impact players. And they even moved up in the first round to make sure they did that by going up to 12 and drafting Jameis William, uh, Williams after getting Aiden Hutchinson in the second slot. So they might have got the best player in the draft and the best wide receiver in the draft there. Uh, Cameron wants to know what the additions of Aiden Hutchinson and Jameson Williams is Detroit putting together a nice build? DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, Amonra St. Brown, DJ Chark, very strong O-line, but Goff, LOL, Cameron says. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, Goff went to the Super Bowl with the Rams, right. and he, had, he was well-coached and had a lot of pieces around him. Goff is not terrible. I, I was surprised they didn't want to do more post-Goff, and we'll see what that era ends up looking like for the Lions long-term, but clearly they valued Goff enough internally and they brought over, you know, front office folks from the Rams. And so they knew Goff very well when they traded for him. And they believed in him enough, clearly, for him to be the, the guy for at least a couple of years now for them in Detroit. But I, I think the, 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 the lead that's buried here is that offensive line. When you have that good of an offensive line, if you have a capable quarterback, and Goff might not be amazing, but he's capable and he's well-protected and now has those weapons. You added Chark, and Jameson Williams hopefully shows up at some time at some point this year and can help you out in the second half of the season. And Amon Ross St. Brown looks like he could develop into a target hog sort of a player and DJ Hawkinson and, and Swift. There's a lot of talent there on offense, and, and they're going to be playing their butts off on defense to so have enough talent on defense 
is probably the question, but Hutch will help that quite a bit as well. So yeah, going from maybe a chippy team that's trying to like tie teams right last year and right, uh, right. to be in a team that that's, that could win a few games. I'm not going to project them to be a, a Super Bowl contender or even a playoff team, but if they were second place in the NFC North, would that shock you? I was about to say, I think they're clearly better than the Bears. Uh, I think that they, I don't know what their over-under win total is, but I bet I go over. Um, the question is, is Detroit putting together a nice build? I think that answer is clearly yes. I think the offense is complete. You know, like, they don't need anything else on offense unless quarterback down the road, you know. But I, I think you can win games with Goff with this supporting cast. I know you can. You know, I mean, protect them run the ball a lot, have a lot of golf or future rookie friendly targets like Swift and Hawkinson that are easy throws, as well as the big play threat and Williams that's, you know, gives you that room to operate. I still think the defense is a disaster, but you know, another off season dedicated to defense and or quarterback, I think you're a year away from being an eight or nine win team and being in the mix. Samuel says he apologizes for all the amazing things that the Eagles are doing, apologizing to the rest of the NFL. Okay. <laughs> like, remember I, the dream team? I like what the Eagles are doing. You know, how far, oh, how yeah. far are they going to go with their quarterback? And that's the question. And if the quarterback doesn't take them where they want them to go, the, uh, there's no excuses for Jalen Hurts. Is he going to take another step? Because he took a step last year. And, and I'm not going to say he can't be that guy, but they're well positioned to go find that guy next year if they don't have that guy now. But the Eagles could be really good. Uh, that's going to be a yeah. fun division there in the in the uh, in the NFC East. And by the way, we are going to be going division by division and and really giving deeper, more thorough draft grades and talking about every draft pick for all these teams in the coming days and weeks. Probably starting on tomorrow's episode of Peacock. And yeah, so. what do you think Eagles? Where are they where are they at now? I, I'm I have a lot of respect for that front office, the way they build over the years. Um, linemen are a priority. You know, they they understand the value of positions. I do wish they would have addressed the secondary a little bit more. They, you know, they, they kind of neglected that despite all their resources. And I'm with you. I mean, I, I thought Hertz was a backup-type quarterback, and I know his last game wasn't great. But all in all, I thought he far exceeded my expectations, and I would have handled it as they handled it. But they have a tremendous backup plan if he fails. Um, I think they'll be really hard to play against. I mean, I think that that offense is hard to play against with the way they run the ball, and then you throw A.J. Brown in the mix. Um, contender, no. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I can't put them with the Rams or, you know, the Bucks or the Packers. I may even have them behind the Saints that we talked about, but in that neighborhood. They might be better in Dallas, though. I mean, I think they could win the division. I wouldn't be shocked, and I say this a lot with teams, and we saw with the Bengals last year, they were that team, and, and almost every year there's that team It's like, oh, crap, this team has arrived, and they're here, and yeah. they're legit. And if the Eagles were that team this year, I, I wouldn't be completely shocked. They, they've got a lot of pieces, and you do have to give a lot of kudos to the front office and what they've been able to do, job. maneuvering around, make the board work for them, and I love that, and I love how active they are and they're still well-positioned to continue to, to build that thing. So it's going to be a fun team. Let, let's see if they actually are at that point where you could start to look and say, you know what, they might have put it together. But I agree. It's it's the clear weakness of that team now as you look at the secondary and are they going to be able right. to cover people enough? And there might be some shootouts going on with uh, with the Eagles and some teams, you know, with, with, with the weapons they have now on offense. 
they are certainly set up to play this way, but they need to control the game by running the running the ball, win time of possession, win the turnover battle, those type of things, be good on special teams, and they're built for it. I wouldn't love their chances in a drop-back passing game, first one to 50 points wins. I want to thank everybody who jumped into the live, first-ever live YouTube edition of Peacock and Williamson. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. It's really important, and we will be here on the Locked On NFL channel with Peacock and Williamson every day, and you can still get it in all the same ways you used to get the Peacock and Williamson NFL show and uh if you don't like looking at us please don't un- unsubscribe <laughs> from, from the locked on nfl channel if you were already subscribed and appreciate you making peacock and williamson your first listen every day here on the locked on podcast network make sure you're checking out all the great shows here on the network your team is covered matt's doing locked on dynasty locked on nfl draft doing post draft stuff the locked on nfl crew as well and matt and i will be back tomorrow right here peacock and williamson